Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Bookmakers TV, the Premier League preview show. I'm Gav from the LFC Day Trippers. That is Liam Canning on my left and on my right is Jamie. I am Daily Hotspur across all your social media. Um, this week we're going to look at the transfer window, which is just closed a couple of days ago. We're going to see um, how your club's done in that, um, who impressed you and who you're worried about following the end of the transfer window. Um and we're going to have a look, of course, um, quickly at the Premier League this weekend. There's some big games and it might be, a, we say it every week, but it might be a weekend that has a massive bearing on the season. But this one, to me, really feels like it is. Um, Liam, how are you, first of all? And you're very welcome again. Um <laughs> going to start with the transfer window, though. Yeah. Um, you know, you're a United fan. Yep. Um, they bring in Veghorst. Um, they bring in Sabitzer after Ericsson goes down injured and looks like he could be out for a little while. Um, happy enough for United's window. Who's impressed you the most across the Premier League and who are you worried for when that window slammed shut at um, 11 o'clock the other night? Well, I think in terms of what I was expecting going into January isn't too far off what United did. I think the only surprise is that they brought in a midfielder on loan in, in Marcel Sabitza, and that's primarily because Ericsson got injured. You know, if Ericsson had stayed fit and didn't have that injury from Andy Carroll, then I think... United wouldn't have dipped into the market further than without Veghorst. So in terms of bringing that centre forward in, I said last week that I actually think he's done okay. I think he's done well, actually. You know, I think Ten Hag has got him playing in a way that he, it suits our system and suits the way that we want to play. He's very much ball to feet, but can pop it off very quickly and interchanges very, very nicely. So he's absolutely fine for what we need him for. And then Sabitzer, we needed a number eight to replace Ericsson. And I think on paper, you can't get closer. Um, in terms of the type of profile that he is compared to Ericsson. So I think long-term we'll be looking in the summer for a proper um, or two probably proper midfielders to come in and challenge. But for now, on loan, I think um, I think Sabitza does the job and obviously wasn't getting enough minutes by Munich, so he's hungry to prove himself. And Ten Hag knows him, followed him, tracked him. I think it's um, for what we could have done. I think it's, it's an okay window. <clears throat> and then you look at, around the rest of the league you know yeah. when it comes to United probably United's dealings in the transfer windows previously uh, um, yeah. has hurt them um, in some sort of financial sense and they, they're still under 10 they're going to move players out um, yeah. and probably look to do a bit more in the summer and they've spent a lot of money don't get us wrong but you know he's he's having to rather than just keep splashing when he's having to plot a little bit more than um, probably previous managers but around the league who, who have you looked at and went well 
you know, that's really good business. And who have you looked at and went, what are you doing? Well, I think the answer is probably the same in terms of Chelsea. You look at them and you think you've picked up some incredibly good players. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. But then you look on the other side of the deal with the money that they've put into it. You think, wow, okay, what's going on here? You know, they've spent 600 million since Mm -hmm. the summer. That's an extortionate amount of money. Mm-hmm. I think I read a stat that suggested that they've spent more in the last six months than Fulham have spent since 2001, you know, ahead of tomorrow night's fixture. Yeah, they've so, spent more than the rest outside the Premier League. I think they've spent more in Europe by a massive yeah, amount. Of... Absolutely yeah. colossal amount of money that they put forward here. Um, I don't know what the strategy is. Maybe it is just to recruit as many players as they can that they think are the next level in terms of or the next generation that will come up. But... Um, you know, some of them are fantastic players. Enzo Fernandez had a fantastic World Cup. Xiao Felix, where everyone knows all about him, he's a fantastic player. Um, Badi Ashili, a, a centre half for Monaco, who's been talked about for many, many years and, and how well he's done there. So they've picked up some really great players, but then they've spent, you know, 400 million in January mm. or something ridiculous. So mm. I think Chelsea probably the answer to both. I tell you what surprised me most, perhaps, was the quick departure of Jao Cancelo. I wasn't expecting that. I don't think many people were. He's obviously fallen out of favour with Pep um, and the club and he's gone to Bayern Munich and I think he had 13 touches and got his first assist. So, you know, he's got something to prove over there. But that's an interesting one and, and depending on what's going to happen over the next few months, I suppose, comes into um, into the summer and what he wants to do there, whether he's staying at City or moving on. Mm. I think when you look at Chelsea, it is an extortionate amount of money, but what they're doing is... It's 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 a lot of money to commit, but they've they're, they're making sure they're committing it over six, seven, or eight years. Yeah. So if you actually break it down, they out of that six hundred million. I know they've had to commit a lot on Enzo Fernandez, but outside of that, they've probably committed right now about one hundred and fifty to two hundred million. Okay, which they can do, and then the rest will be spread across their payments. And this is why you're hearing things like UEFA want to cut this back to five years. So yeah. you know you can't spread those payments across, but but. Chelsea probably next year will show 200 million spent in 2022 um, of January um, in, in their accounts but that, that's the way they're doing it um, the Cancelo thing I think has been rumbling on for a little bit um, there's been a bit there where he hasn't been happy for a while and I think it might have been the game against Arsenal actually in the FA Cup that sealed the deal when you know they're expected to make some changes they do um, and he's not one of them and it all just goes and um, I've seen varying things like Pep is oh you know, fair play to Pep, he's, he's, you know, ruthless and if he wants out, he wants out. And then others saying, well, look, is it just a case of, you know, see, you just get rid of him and put another 50 or 60 million down on another defender somewhere. So, you know, there's, there's varying um, kind of feelings on that. Jamie, sports. Mm. Um, Poro seemed to be linked from Christmas and it took them till the last day to do it. I'm always amazed at these yeah. things that take till the very last day to do when yes. it's... It should be done much quicker. Um, but overall, Dan Juma gets a goal yeah. on his debut. Um, Matt Doherty has his contract ripped up, which was <laughs> mad. Um, yes. But overall, for you, Spurs, the window. Mm. Yeah, I, I think pretty much mixed, really. Um, look, we addressed pretty much our biggest area in the squad in terms of a right wing back. Obviously, we were, you know, had a lot of right wing backs anyway with Jed Spence, Matt Doherty. Um, and Emerson Royale, but it was a real area of weakness. And, you know, everyone knows that in Conte's systems, wing-backs are such an important part of his team. And, um, you know, that was an area we desperately needed to strengthen him. We needed creativity in that that position. And Pedro Porra, for me, is is pretty much was number one target, I think, going into this window. 
I liked him a lot. We saw him play against us twice in the Champions League. He impressed on both occasions. His numbers are really impressive for a, a wing-back. I think this season he's got one goal and nine assists in all competitions for Sporting. So he's done really well in that, that respect. Again, you know, comes in as a 23-year-old Spanish international. So for me, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted with this signing. I think almost a 10 out of 10 signing. I think it was pretty much the perfect player we could have hoped for. Um, I think as well, Dan Juma is, is a nice little addition. It's a, it's a good deal as well. Obviously, a guy who comes in cheap. Um, and, and and we needed someone who can come off the bench. We needed another attacking option. You know, throughout the rest of, most of the season, we just had Brian Hill as, as really kind of our only alternative um, to Kulusevsky, Ken and Son. So we needed that alternative. We've got in in Dan Juma, so that was good. I think the biggest concern for Spurs fans is that we haven't brought in a central defender. Um, for Spurs, you know, defensively, we've been shocking. And, and for a Conte team, you know, you usually see them as... One or two, one or two as, as the best defensive records in the league, and you know since October, no Premier League teams conceded more goals than Spurs. So you know that's a real damning stat as to how poor we have been defensively. So a centre back was was certainly needed, and and we would have loved to have seen that. But um, I think we kind of un do understand in a way that you can't fix all your problems in one window. I think we are. I, this might be a surprise to some people, but I think as a as, as in terms of where we're building towards as a team. I can kind of see that, that we've got those foundations in place and there are one or two positions in this um, squad that need filling. I think a goalkeeper needs to come in, two central defenders, and then maybe a midfielder. And then I think the team's starting to take shape as well. So overall, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the direction that Spurs are going in terms of uh, building the team. Um, and then in terms of the January transfer window, as I said, I think it's slightly mixed because dress the right wing back really well. But uh, defensively, I think there's, there's still real concerns the rest of the season. <clears throat> yeah, I think Chelsea are an outlier in all this because they just seem to be spending a lot of players where other clubs have been mm. quite, you know, you usually see a couple of clubs who just go bang, bang, bang. And I can't want to tell them in a minute um, before they're down the table. But I think the, the teams at the top have kind of gone, you know, that player there, that that's what mm. we need. Sabitzer, or we need something, we get Sabitzer in, you know. And it hasn't been kind of, even, even like the Newcastle who are flying, they haven't kind of gone, oh, we, you know, sign for. You know, yeah. start away and, and and make it look like we're way more, um, way stronger going into the second. They've got Anthony Gordon, of course. Um, they've just kind of picked where they are. And that's usually how January is, and and then you get onto some oddball stuff that goes on. Um, for you though, is is Chelsea the most impressive? Because I'd argue Arsenal is, um, in the window. And I know that's not something I should mm. be saying to a sports fan, but <laughs> where where do you sit on who's who's really you've kind of gone? Yeah, that's really clever what they've done there. Sure, a little interesting one. I thought Leeds have done really well in this window. Yeah. I think Weston yeah, McKinney is a really, great a really, a really smart signing. I would have had him, at, even had him at Spurs. I think he is a really good yeah. player. And obviously, they've got kind of that American connection going on at, mm -hmm. at uh, Leeds at the moment with Jesse Marsh, um, I think, as well. Who's, who's the, um, the the other central midfielder they've got? Um, Tyler, Tyler Adams. Tyler yeah. Adams, that's the name. Um, so, you know, I, th I think that that's a good addition as well with, with Weston McKennie. Um, Jorginho Ruta, I think he looks like a good striker that's come in from Hoffenheim from uh, the, the Bundesliga. Obviously, at 20 years old and he looks like a good little prospect there. So, I think, and, and speaking to one of my Leeds, uh, a guy who's a Leeds fan, very happy with their window. So, they could be an interesting one to look out for. Um, but I think you're right. Look, Chelsea are obviously the, the team that have had without doubt the best window um maybe there is still concerns that uh, in terms of maybe a, a striker and someone who's going to put the ball in the back of the net that could be maybe where they still come up short because yeah. you you look at kind of how they have been in terms of scoring goals this season they are the lowest scorers in the top 10 which is 
Uh, again, quite a, quite an alarming stat. But um, yeah, I think they, they, they've obviously addressed their issue in central midfield. Um, and I think overall they've had a very good window. But I, I think Liam made an interesting point. Maybe the most interesting business was, was Man City selling yet another star. And um, I know Pep Guardiola did a really interesting interview a while ago with, with Rio Ferdinand speaking about how you know, you've got to constantly keep refreshing the team and you can't keep winning, you know, with the same team because ultimately those players kind of, you lose the message on them. They get tired of the same methods. But I, I do feel with Man City, they've got a lot, rid of a lot of these players, Zinchenko, Raheem Sterling, uh, uh, Gabriel Jesus, and now Cancelo. And it doesn't really feel like they've replaced them. And again, they just continue oh, to kind of keep, keep, getting, keep getting weaker. So... It's, it's, it's been a really strange one from Man City and obviously lost another star. Look, obviously, he has fallen out with the manager and that's fair enough. But, you know, is there, is there a replacement to come in for him? And, and, and that's obviously, they didn't they didn't get that. So, uh, an interesting window for Manchester City. And uh, I don't like them, don't like them uh, weakening themselves when they're in a title race with Arsenal. I didn't didn't enjoy saying that. The thing with, the thing with Man City is, is that they're looking around now and they're looking at what Chelsea are doing. Now, Chelsea are committing, like I said, X amount of money. But it's coming across as Chelsea have spent six hundred million. Newcastle are flexing their muscle. Newcastle I think have spent three hundred and odd million and not got a penny back um with regards to transfers in unless John Joe Shelby's moved the forest involved money. Um but they literally have spent three hundred million without getting a penny back in transfer fees. And City are gonna respond. There's no doubt about it. And with the likes of Cancelo going on loan, I don't think you can see him back there. Um, I think no. they're going to make a huge splash in the summer, and I mm. think his his language in the last two to three weeks for me has been very telling. He's come across and said, you know, um, we don't care about the Premier League and the FA Cup. You know, it's just we don't have this and we don't have that. And mm. then saying that the players don't have the attitude. I think a week later, even after they've beaten Spurs, actually, that's where his comments come out, and yep. it's all pointing towards City just going. 60 million there, 60, 60, 70, whatever it might be. And they will spend a lot of money in the summer. Um, and a lot of money. And other clubs money. I'm going to mix in. I want to move on to the games of the weekend. And I think Arsenal's business has been great. I think, I think um, you know, Jorginho makes sense, especially with the length of the deal. I think it's only an 18-month deal. And I think it makes sense that they bring him in. He's experienced. He could probably rotate in with Jacket, like we were saying last week. I think it was also we were talking about last week. Uh, maybe not. But it makes sense. And then you could probably say, you know what? You could probably leave Arsenal this time next year. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they've done something in the summer. They've signed a guy at centre back, um, which I think they need a bit of cover for there. And they've done uh, Trossard, which is. They've covered three areas of the pitch. I think they've been very clever. On the other hand, Everton um, have sold Anthony Gordon. Haven't used a penny of it. Um, brought sacked the manager. Took five or six days to announce the new manager, even though everyone knew who it was going to be. Announced him the day before the window opens or closes, and um, don't bring anybody in. And then, like, deny rumors that they're going to sign a free transfer. As if like, no, we're not signing anyone. Like, even free transfers, not interested. And Sean Dyche is left with a really, really hard job. But just on this game, we go. We, we're going to have a little. Just give us your little views on it and give us a prediction. Um, Everton v Arsenal, Liam, Deutsch's first job or first <clears throat> um, yeah. match in the job. You know, I've seen stuff like, oh, Sean Deutsch means business. He has his players doing the bleep test, and I'm like, fuck's sake, like, you know what I mean? If this is if this is what 
where are we at when a bleed test is like revolutionary for a manager to do? But how big a job has he got with what's gone on in the window and who are coming up against the weekend? Where do you see this going? He's got a mountain to climb. There's no two ways about that. I mean, they can't even sign Andre Ayew on a free transfer. He's going to Nottingham Forest instead. You know, it's penny pinching at Everton, um, but they can't even bring anyone in, even on loan. So it's you feel for Daesh. He's obviously he knows what he's walked into. He's not silly. He knows what he's walked into, and um, he's got a squad there that obviously has been playing absolutely terribly throughout the whole season, but individually they're actually not bad players. And I think if Daesh can sort of cultivate that changing room and get him play, or get them playing for him and get them all as one, a cohesive unit, they've got half a chance here. And that's all you need for Daesh, just half a chance. He's, he's the best manager possibly in the world in terms of bringing a, a team together and getting them to fight in one direction. You know, um, So I think he, he's got that in his locker. But you start at Arsenal, albeit at home, <coughs> and... We've all seen it this season when the opposition team at Goodison scores one, it's game over because the crowd turn on the players really, really quickly. Um, now that might change. Now Dyche is in, in, in there in the hot seat and fans are backing him and backing the team and, and got more positivity around the club perhaps. But mm. I feel like if Arsenal, as they do, they blitz everyone in the first 15, 20 minutes, no matter who you are, they absolutely blitz you and they try and get one, two goals quickly. If they do that against Everton, I just can't see how Everton respond in any way. They've not got goals in their team. The only yeah. way that Dyche is going to keep them up is a really solid back line and nick a goal here or there. That's it, because they just don't have the goals. So I'm, I'm just going to go for an Arsenal win. I think it'll be fairly comfortable. I think 2-0 probably. 2-0. It's, it's, I was doing a show on, on my own channel. Um, it was the night of the transfer window, I think. And you've literally said, I don't know if you were watching it, Liam. I doubt, I doubt you were. <laughs> um, but you've literally said what, what I what I said that night and what I'm thinking. Because I think Sean Dyche is a free ride here, right? Yeah. Because if everything, like I said this the other night, if everything come out and play really well for 75 minutes against Arsenal and have the odd chance from a set piece and it's nil-nil and Arsenal score, the Everton fans do turn quickly. And for what they've seen in the first 75, which would be very basic, very hard-working, you know, balls down into channels, trying to yeah. get free kicks, you know, all this sort of stuff. They'll be okay with that until it's not working. And if it doesn't work when they're 1-0 down, they'll be like, well, we need to show more than this. Yeah. Same way if you brought a fella in that wanted to play really neat attacking football and didn't score and got a goal against, we like, well, you can't keep playing neat attacking football. You need to be solid and play the percentages. So, But the, the reason he has a free ride is that Everton fans hate this board and this owner right now. Yeah, um, They hate him. They hate them because there's been accusations made against Everton fans by board members through, you know, leaking stuff out into certain places to make accusations against Everton fans. That, like, from from all accounts, not didn't happen. And the board don't turn up at games and, and stuff like that. So, Everton could lose 4-0 here at the weekend and Sean Dyche won't have a word. It won't be a word about Sean Dyche. It'll be the board. And, the thing, and quite rightfully so. You yeah. can't be in a relegation battle as a Premier League side. Um, Selya, well, I don't think he's anywhere near the best player, but the main player or the most sellable asset for £40 million pounds, and then announce your manager the day before the window opens and or closes and, yeah. and do nothing for him. And he has a free ride and I think the length of the deal on him is very important as well. It's a two and a half year deal, which mm. for me tells you if he keeps them up, they they have like, you know, two years to look at it 
and if he's not doing well this time next year they're only paying off a year of a contract or so if he goes down they're going to keep him and he's going to be the man in the championship for them so I think that was you know if it had been a you know a year deal or whatever it was or an 18 month deal it's a bit more than that I think they'll struggle at the weekend I think um, Arsenal are just in that position at the minute I think I think this might be the weekend that Arsenal put one and a half hands on the trophy um, because of who City are playing and we'll talk about it in a bit Um 3-1 Arsenal for me Jamie yeah do, do you know look I, I, I'll say on Sean Dyche I'm going to be slightly positive with Everton here um, I don't think it's going to be pretty um, and I don't think they're going to suddenly flat the table but I think the way that Sean Dyche kind of is as a manager and in, in his football obviously very pragmatic I think he is going to come in and get results almost immediately and I actually think that will start at the weekend I don't think they're going to go out in here and, and, and beat Arsenal but I think they have the ability to frustrate them um, I think 12.30 kickoff will play a factor. I know that obviously sounds silly, but, you know, sometimes those sort of, you know, an away trip, a 12.30 yeah, away trip can be very difficult to kind of get up for. And I think Sean Dyche is going to come here immediately and make this incredibly difficult. Um, I've always, I've been very critical across the season of Everton's squad, but actually I kind of look at it and I think this could almost suit Sean Dyche and the way he plays. You know, I think a very solid goalkeeper in Jordan Pickford. You look at the, the, the potential back two they have of Tarkovsky and Cody. I think there he can maybe get something out of them. Then you look at the fullbacks, Mikalenko and Coleman. Um, the midfield, I think, looks very solid as well. You've got Andre Anana, who I think has been a fantastic signing for them and obviously linked with some big clubs in the window as well. Idrissa Gay as well. Um, I think the wingers are solid. You've got Dwight McNeil, obviously a guy who Sean Dyche knows though very well. And then, of course, you've got Calvert-Lewin up front, who, who's going to be almost that target man. He's not going to be a prolific goal scorer, but he's going to be someone who you know, you give opportunities to, I think you can can take them. And um, he is that almost that typical hold-up striker. So um, I think this squad actually almost suits the way that Sean Dutch plays, as I said. And uh, I, I do think he can get results immediately. Again, I, I will stress, I do not think they're going to start suddenly flying up the table and, and you know, really pushing to, to, for a top half. But uh, I think they actually, in the end, will be OK. And uh, as I said, I think he'll come in and get results almost immediately. Um, I'm going to go for another really exciting nil-nil uh, on the weekend. I think oh. it'll play out with a goalless draw this one. Were well, you right the last time? I think you were on Liverpool no, Wolves. And, and, um, yeah, that's the kiss of death for that game. Fair play. Um, <laughs> let, let me stick with you because um, we've seen that game a couple of weeks ago that I've referenced with Pep's comments and stuff like that. This is the reverse fixture. And it's the reverse fixture for a lot of clubs. You know, we go on to Palace and mm. United in a minute where they seem to have played them and then played one more game and then they're back playing each other again. I don't know how that's worked out. But yeah. Spurs host City. And, you know, City are chasing Arsenal. Spurs are trying to keep on keep up with Newcastle and United, I suppose, yeah. are their nearest kind of targets. Um, Where do you see this going? Because I, I'm going to put it out there. I have a feeling for Spurs. I really have. Of a feeling for sports in this game, but Jamie, <laughs> sports city. I let you go first and give the first prediction. It's it's weird. I, I do have a feeling as well, but then I kind of realistically, I do think Manchester City will almost wipe the floor with Spurs here, and I do think they will end up winning this one. Um, it's been really odd for Man City because they've really struggled at Spurs' new stadium. I think they've been there on four occasions. They've lost all four times, and and that's kind of really difficult to explain why Spurs have decided to make Man City almost their bogey team, which is a, a really strange one. But Man City always seem to kind of struggle against us. Um, they've obviously had the odd win here and there, but I think across the last seven or eight meetings, you know, they've only won two or three times. So, um, yes, it's, it's been kind of weird for Man City when they played Spurs. 
But something that, that really a stat that really stands out for me is that four of Spurs' last five games at home, they've lost. Um, so kind of that home form at the moment, that recent home form, there's really no no reason to be confident uh, from from a Spurs perspective. Um, as I said, Poro will come in and, and probably add something in terms of a bit of more creativity. But uh, as I said, Spurs still well short defensively. Uh, I mentioned that stat of most goals conceded in the Premier League since October. Really, really poor. And, you know, you consider the players that Man City have, the likes of Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne. I don't need to, you know, those unbelievable players. I think they'll take full advantage of Spurs here. And uh, I, I actually said 3-2 last time. Um, and I was I was obviously one off with that. And uh, I, I really fancy a lot of goals here again. I, th- I think Spurs offensively can, can get a Man City. I think, uh, you know, City are a team who really have dropped off um, at the back recently, and uh, I think Spurs can take advantage of that. But uh, unfortunately, I think Spurs' defence and Man City's attack will, will probably allow them to win 3 2. And that's, uh, that's my score prediction. Well, okay. Um, you've gone high on that one as opposed to low on the other. Liam, quick prediction Spurs, Man City? <clears throat> well, I think this is a game where, for whatever reason, no matter the form, chaos just ensues between yeah. them. It's just one of those that goals fly in at either end all the time. Um, I think City are there to be had, if I'm honest. I don't know if that's going to be Spurs, if they can get themselves up for it and have the quality to do it, but they'll definitely score. As you say, Jamie, Spurs' defence is pretty abhorrent at the moment. There's no sort of cohesion whatsoever. It's all sixes and sevens. Um, I'm going to go for a draw, actually. I'm going to go for 2-2. Okay. 2-2. Lots of, lots of chaos. Yeah, it just seems the perfect... Like, when Liverpool play Man City... It's like, and for the last couple, three, four seasons, it's been the two best teams going at it like a million miles an hour. The quality is really, really high, and it usually ends up a one all or a two one or you know, there's been there's been outliers to that. But when it's Sports City, it's like City usually torn up feeling chest out, we're great, and Sports turn up and go, ah, can we beat this? And then City just give them like chances to, to yeah. hurt them, and Sports take them with Kulisevsky. Kane, Son, whoever it might be. And it's the perfect formula of one team going into something, going, we'll win this. And another team going, not sure, but if we get a chance. And then they just keep getting chances. Yeah. And then, like, the last time was the exact same. Like, yeah. it was like, see, just handing Spurs chances to score goals and Spurs going, great. You know, we're yeah. not even walking here. And and then City just click up a gear or two and Spurs can't handle it because of, you know, the Spurs defence. Yeah. It's bizarre, but the way you said that, because it, it felt exactly like that in the reverse fixture. I yeah. went into it kind of absolutely zero hope, and I'm like, I don't really, I don't really care. So yeah, we spoke about it before the game, yeah. Then I'm like, well, that's 1-0. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of, I'm here now. I'm, I'm yeah. awake. I'm, I don't know what's happening. Then it goes 2-0, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> right, we're back. We're going to get in the top four here. And then, uh, yeah, and then obviously it all just sun crumbles. But yeah, it's, it's just been so weird with, with Man City and Spurs. And I... A prime example of that was almost last season, really, where um, Kane produced that unbelievable performance that the Etihad, where he almost ran the game, he got a brace. They just gave him so much space to just kind of almost dictate play. And it was one of the best individual performances I've seen from a Spurs player um, in my lifetime, really, at the way at the Etihad against the champions. They just gave him so much space. I watched kind of a replay of it even last night, actually, of, of his performance. And they just gave him so much room and... Um, yeah, it's been such a weird fixture, this one. Man City always kind of seemed to, to play into Spurs' hands. And uh, yeah, it's a strange one. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what we can do on the weekend. I, I do have a feeling deep down. But uh, I think ultimately, as I said, I think Man City should be too good here. 
this game doesn't happen till Sunday. And Arsenal, I think, play early on Saturday, if I'm right. Yeah, like yeah. you said, early Saturday. And I think if Arsenal win this, this is why I think Spurs win. And that's my whole thing behind it. I think, honestly, I've said it for weeks. City are one bad result away from Arsenal just going off into the sunset here. And I think this might be the week. I think City going into it eight points behind, same amount of games played, I think. Um, okay, having to go away to Spurs. Um, if Arsenal win, of course, they'd be eight points behind with the same amount of games played, I think. And I think it's one where City just take their eye off the ball or just are that bit edgy. And I think I think Spurs win a two one. Um I think the form at I think the form at the um Spurs Stadium is is a big factor. And it's a bit like Man City at Liverpool. Like Man City's only win at Liverpool in the last I wanna say twenty years has been on an empty ground. Um when when Liverpool had like no defence no like defenders left, you know, the sort of way. They were under nineteen different centre back partnership that season. Yeah. It was Henderson and Fabinho, I think. Um and that's their only win, I think, at Anfield in twenty odd years. Um and I think that is in their heads. And I think the sports team might be as well. So I'm going two one sports there just just to see and I, I want Arsenal to win the league over them. So that's another reason I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, and I know that hurts you, Jamie, but listen, um, for, for the moral of football, I want for, for Arsenal to win it. Um, United Palace. United are on a great run. I think I've seen something the other day. 23 games, one defeat in 23 or something like that. I think it might be in, um, or 20, one defeat in 25. Might be a lot of wins and that, a couple of draws. They're on yep. good form. They dropped points at Palace a couple of weeks ago, late on. Um yep. Lost to a free Arsenal. kick, yeah, and and went and then got beaten by Arsenal. It was a it was a tough week, but this should be three points, Liam. Like you'd think so, you would think so. You know, I think Ten Hag's made it very clear he wants to make you know an Old Trafford into a fortress again, which we've just not had over the last sort of five, six, seven years. To be honest with you, it seems like teams have so much confidence going up to Old Trafford that they think they can you know get a draw or, or three points. But he's starting to turn the tide, turn the narrative. That United are having that stadium now back as theirs, and and really controlling games and dictating the tempo of the game. And I know it's Reading and I know it's Nottingham Forest, but I thought United did that very very well in those two games recently. They just completely control everything. And yeah, they leak a few chances, leak a few goals. That's normal in in sort of your first season in charge with a new culture, with a new manager. But overall, I've not seen a United team playing as a team for the best part of a decade, really. Mm mad to say that but it's true you know these these players are playing for each other and they're playing for a manager that they clearly believe in and you know that's testament to Ten Hag and what he's done I think obviously Rashford say every week but what, what form he's in at the moment Sancho came back last night got his 30 minutes so he's he's in and around the squad there's plenty of options now that United have got and Sabitzer probably gets 30 minutes at the weekend as well so yeah reverse fixture drew 1-1 late goal <clears throat> and that sort of killed the momentum going into Arsenal but at Old Trafford, you'd think you have to get three points. If, you, if you're chasing top four, yeah. I think you need the three points. It's very tight between Newcastle, Spurs, the City around it as well. So just need um, a clean game and to get through it. And, and I mean, United have got eight fixtures between now and the end of February. Mm. So you just need to get through games and not make it difficult for themselves. Yeah. What's your prediction, United Palace? Oh, I'll go two one. I think we will concede, but should have enough quality to get over. Mm. It's interesting to see Sancho come back. Um, yeah, you know there was a lot made, and, and you know of him not being in the squad was a post World Cup. Um, 
and it was a bit harsh on him. I thought, you know, like clearly the guy, yeah, he might be having issues with his form and stuff like that, and that's okay. You'll get people of fans of all sorts of clubs saying, "Oh, look at him, he's a waste of money." But there was clearly some mental stuff for me there, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think when you see stuff like that, when when you see a manager say he's not mentally or physically in the place he needs to be, that's where people have to kind of take a step a step back, regardless of who you support or how many brownie points you think you can earn on on, on social media. Um, he's a he's a very young guy with a big price on him. Um, yeah. he's, he's gone from England he's gone to Germany he's had a great time there he's come over he's had tough tough enough time um, barred a couple of moments at, um, at United and it's good to see him back I'm a Liverpool fan but you know I'm, I'm not I'm not a fan of Sancho um, because he plays United but it's good to see on a personal level someone come back to play football you know the sort of way um, I think United win this easy I think it's interesting though I had 3-0 and then you said they cough up some chances and when they cough up some chances, Palace are all right at taking chances when yeah. you look at who they have going forward and they've some really good talent at, at Palace mm. in the forward areas. I'm going to go 3-1 on it, I think, but I think United have enough. Con- I think you're right in what you're saying. They're controlling games without being on top in games all the time. Yeah. And what I mean by that is teams have gone to Old Trafford, you're right, they've gone to Old Trafford over the last, especially for me, two or three years where United could have a lot of the ball but were never in control of the game. Mm-hmm. Or could have little of the ball and never be in control of the game. Where you you see, you know, it's just organization. That's all yeah. it is, really. Because it's yeah. not a huge turnover in players. It's yeah. organization. Yeah. You know, when we don't have the ball, we do this. When we do have the ball, we do this. And United you know, weren't even doing that basics um, for a long time, especially at home, and weren't using Old Trafford as what it is. So, but I'm going to go three one because I think Palace will nick one. Jamie, um, where does this go? Yeah, I think two interesting factors with this one. I think it's worth also considering. Palace seem to have turned the corner somewhat. Um, I don't think it's going to be enough to kind of get a result here. But look, they obviously were very unfortunate to lose against Chelsea. Um, we then saw them pick up draws against Newcastle and uh, Manchester United, which was both very impressive. Um, so maybe I think they can kind of somewhat scare Manchester United. But as I said, I don't think it'll be quite enough. Also worth considering that Manchester United have this run of games, this, this almost brutal run of games where, um, you know, for the next couple of months, they're going to be playing so many games. So I think it'd be a case of just trying to get the job done. Um, and then, of course, even this week, they were in action in midweek as well. So that was obviously another factor where um, I, I think it will be that they will just about get the job done. Now, I don't think it's going to be an emphatic win, but uh, look, it's Man United at home. Uh, Liam said, you know, Morris Old Trafford has become that fortress and uh, I think it'll be a game where they control it uh, and we're going to go for 2-0 to Manchester United. 2-0, that's fair. Um, we've done a few games there. We've done the transfer window there and we've done well. We we are pre-recording this show but we're looking to bring it back live next week and maybe next week when, when we do bring it live we'll we'll push it across all our social media and stuff like that and we get a lot of people in we might do a Q&A so we might touch on some games next week but where we're doing that we might get questions for Jamie we might get questions for Liam um, I don't want any questions on Liverpool if that's okay um, <laughs> I'm pleading the fifth until this season's over but um, no I'm only, I'm only joking um, I'll talk Liverpool all day it doesn't bother me um, but look we might do that next week, so um, hit the like button, subscribe, um, leave a comment if, if you have any feedback for us. And like, like I said, we'll be back next week. We'll announce it in advance, and you can come on and ask the lads any questions you want, and me, of course, as well. Um, that has been um, the Premier League preview show with Bookmakers TV. Thanks to Liam. Thanks to Jamie. Um, enjoy our football this weekend, lads. Um, yeah. 
best of luck. I say that through great teeth, but best of luck. And um, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Podcast Network.